Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And here we're going to find uh, some beginning thoughts to a message that the Lord has uh, laid upon my heart to share with you. And uh, perhaps there are some whose hearts uh, were excited when they heard me announce the text would be in Revelation because uh, they want me to continue with my series on the book of Revelation and on Bible prophecy that we started before this all began. And uh, perhaps soon we'll be back to that. But uh, let me just say by way of introduction that I believe that all of the events that we're seeing take place right now are yet a precursor uh, to what is going to come. I believe that uh, we are living in the very last days and I believe that the fact that we have seen such an enormous percentage of the world's population on the basis of what they have heard from elected officials and media have allowed their lives to be totally put on hold, upended. It has impacted their uh, financial security. Uh, it has uh, changed their schedules. It has canceled their plans. And I believe that really what we're seeing is that when the Antichrist raises to power, that it's not so far-fetched to think that the masses will come into line behind him and follow his lead, even if it means having uh, things change on a dramatic level. As I mentioned uh, on Wednesday night, as Brother Daniel and I tag-teamed a message together, that if we were to go back to... January or February and to tell you that these things would be taking place, there wouldn't be very many at all that would have believed it could have happened just like this. If I would have said kids will not be allowed to go to school, students will return home from college, businesses will be closed up, travel will be restricted, you can't go to the dentist, you can't get a haircut, get your nails done, they're so, they'll Practice social spacing when you have to go to the grocery store. There's going to be a run on certain uh, goods that you'll not be able to get a hold of. There'll be services that won't be available to you. You won't be able to go to your favorite restaurants and sit down and have a meal. And you won't even be able to go to the doctor uh, for the least thing because they're only going to see those patients that may be critically ill. And and uh, and on and on and on, we could just uh, drag that thing out. And the fact is that that's really what's come upon us. And I believe that uh, it is, as it were, a dress rehearsal uh, for the Antichrist. And I believe that uh, perhaps he's even on the scene somewhere right now, uh, building credibility and gaining prominence. And uh, I think that uh, this coronavirus and the fact that they want to give a passport to people who've had it or been diagnosed with it uh, to be able to move about freely that, that they've tested um, uh, negative uh, for the virus. Uh, listen, health care, I believe, is going to be one of the primary ways that the world leadership after the church has been raptured out of here convinces uh, the population of the world to take the mark of the beast. They're going to say that um, we'll be able to put all of your medical information in a barcode or a computer chip embedded under the skin, however they elect to do that, 
And uh, it's not going to necessarily uh, be because we want to track you, although they can certainly do that. But it's going to be because they can find lost children for incapacitated and Alzheimer patients. They can identify uh, what their medicines are and what their needs are. And for those that are ill, if they become incapacitated, then uh, they can scan them to know exactly uh, what their health history is. And that's going to be uh, really how they they move this in on us. And then, not only that, you know as well as I do, you've received notifications from your banks that uh, they would prefer that you do online bill pay. They don't want you to send money in. They don't want a paper check. They don't know how long a virus can be sustained on paper, and they don't want to infect their employees. And so we're going to a cashless society as a health measure to protect the welfare and safety of those that would handle money. And, and the last time I checked, that's pretty much everybody. And so uh, I think we're taking some giant steps rather quickly toward the end of days and towards a system, a one-world system. There's much more that I would tell you, and, and I, I won't get too deep in the weeds on this, but I just uh, saw a rabbit jump up, and I thought I would just shoot it before it got away. You, you know... Uh, the Pope is calling for a meeting of re world religious leaders. And they're planning a meeting in Rome to, to gather together and, and talk about these matters of importance in a great ecumenical gathering. And most of you who are students of prophecy understand that in the last days, and especially after the church has been raptured out of here, there's going to be not only a one-world government, but there will be a one-world religious leader and a one-world church. And the Roman Catholic Church will either wittingly or unwittingly be an active participant in bringing that about. And it's no small coincidence that the word Catholic literally means universal. And they have contended since their early inception that every denominational group and religious group proceeded from the mother church, they're the offspring of their mother, and one day all of them will come back to mama. And what we're seeing is on a large scale, so much of that is happening. Things like global warming are becoming topics of discussion for world leaders especially religious leaders now, and it's one of the things that's helping people that have nothing doctrinally to do with another religious leader to find some common ground for dialogue. And my friends, that is very dangerous. And I believe that we would do well as a people to walk light on our feet because Jesus is coming soon. And folks, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have anything on my schedule this week that's so important that I can't reschedule it for the rapture. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm ready to go, and uh, I hope that you are as well. Tonight, I want to bring you a message that I think is very important for every believer in Jesus. And I want to begin reading in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 8. And here we read, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, 
holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, those four and twenty elders fall down before the Lord, and while casting their crowns before Him, they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. I want you to know that the Lord is the only one that is worthy of those things. And so tonight I want to bring you a message entitled simply this, Honor God. He is worthy of it. Honor God. And I believe tonight that it is very, very important for us to consider this thought. And I hope that by the time we're finished, you'll understand why I think, think this way. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come before You humbly, recognizing that Thou, O Lord, are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. May we as a people give it to You alone. For this we pray. In your wonderful name, Jesus, amen. As we read through the Bible, we find many places where questions are asked, of the Lord asked of His people. And one of those is found in Malachi chapter 1. And there in verse number 6, the Lord is talking to the people of Israel and He says this, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? He asked them, where is my honor? Where is it? You go through the motions and you do the work of the Lord. You make the sacrifices. You go to the temple. And yet, he continues to ask the question, where is my honor? The Bible tells us that God has crowned Jesus with glory and honor in Hebrews chapter number 2. Now my wife Linda is a wonderful woman and she has taught me many things. And I'm grateful that she is mother to my kids and she's teaching them uh, some biblical values. And uh, she's of Asian heritage and so in their culture there are certain things that are very important. Among the most important things in their culture is the principle of giving honor. They honor their their parents they honor their grandparents they honor elders 
They honor people that are in esteemed positions. And it's not a small thing to really know that the Asian culture uh, tries to give honor to those that they believe that are worthy of that honor, and, and they bow as an act of humility and of honor uh, to uh, render that honor, bestow honor upon those that it should be bestowed upon. And I've had many conversations with her and with my family uh, together as we've considered what honor is. And we've, we've really safely come to the conclusion that honor is not just telling someone that you love them, though that may be a one indication that you care and honor uh, someone. It's more than just saying that. And, and honor is not just sending a card on Mother's Day or Father's Day. Honor is not just sending a birthday card and saying, I've remembered you. And that may be involved in a life that renders honor to those that honor is due unto. But the truth is that Honor is something that comes from the heart, and it's something that shapes our mindset all the time. It's not just a way that we feel, it's something that we, we utilize to determine the course of our life. You see, those people that are important to us, they don't just occupy a place in our mind. They occupy a place in our heart to be sure. But you know, they occupy a place on our schedule and they occupy a place from our resources and they, they occupy a part of our life and we would never think of not honoring those people. The reality is that was the the culture, the Eastern culture, if you would, the Middle Eastern culture that the Word of God was written in the context of. And the Lord asked those people, listen, you honor your parents and you honor your employers, but listen, I'm your master and I'm your father. Where is my honor? And I wonder today if God is not speaking to His people in this dispensation and saying, you mark some time for me occasionally in the house of the Lord and you occasionally give, perhaps spasmodically, to, to help support my ongoing work and plan and occasionally perhaps you, you sing a praise song to me, but does that which is random and that which is haphazard and that which is not really uh, uh, done with a fervency and a commitment rise to the level of a life of honor, honoring the one who alone is entirely worthy of honor? We could go throughout the Bible and find many, many places that reveal that God is worthy of our honor. There are many men that I give honor to uh, because they have served in the military of our country. And we honor veterans here. We're also thankful for first responders and those that stand in harm's way for us and uh, for those that uh, ran into buildings that were falling down and on fire on 9-11 and, and not were, that weren't fleeing from them. They were running into those buildings. We, we honor their courage and their bravery. Those that are willing to put their life on the line so that we can breathe free. We're thankful for doctors and nurses that are uh, standing in the gap right now in the healthcare uh, field and, and dealing with this coronavirus. And, and we give them honor and we appreciate them and show gratitude unto them. 
And I'm so thankful for those that are mindful of those that are worthy of some appreciation and they want to give it. And I don't minimize their service, but may I say to you, there's really only one person who is utterly and entirely worthy of all honor, and that is our Lord and our God. And yet, while we put posts on Facebook and Instagram and all over social media about how we need to show gratitude and thanks to first responders and military personnel and to doctors and nurses and, and uh, you know, I, I mean, sometimes it gets to the point of ridiculousness. We're, we're showing honor to the SPCA because they're taking care of, you know, uh, lost animals or, or whatever it is. You know, we're wanting to donate to an animal shelter and we wouldn't do- donate sometimes to a project uh, that was worthy of our investment because it rendered an honor to the Lord and as an act of our life showed honor to God through those things. And sometimes I think there is a great discrepancy between what we say about our God and how we choose to lead our lives. These people were being rebuked by Almighty God because they were honoring everyone but the one that they should have honored. And one of the things that I believe that this coronavirus is doing. It's giving us an opportunity to take a step back and gain some perspective and ask who's in charge of all these things. And I would tell you that it's not someone in an elected office. It's not those in Washington, D.C. that don't even know your name. It's not those people who are enriching their own lives by being elected into positions of authority year after year after year. You have to sometimes take a step back and ask yourself, how can a lifetime politician that's never done anything but do civil service uh, be uh, so wealthy uh, that, uh, listen, they have to have all kinds of trust funds set up. Most of those people are are multi-gazillionaires, and yet they want to vilify and villainize anybody that tries to make a little money, though they have spent their lives enriching themselves but they want to limit what you can earn. And and look, are they in charge of all this? No, the one that really needs to be honored, who is really the Lord of all, is, is our God. And I think that we need to remember that. I would tell you that I've known many doctors as you have. I've visited far too many in my lifetime than I like to think about. And And I know some of them that are very humble people, and I know some that are really happy to receive honor. And if we won't honor them, they'll honor themselves. (laughs) And and, and that's a fact. Many of them have a God complex. They think that life and death is in their hands. You know, the Bible says that life and death is in the hand of the Lord, not the doctor. And the truth is today, the question rings out from heaven above. Where is my honor? Tonight I want to give you just some simple thoughts about this. And I want to challenge you to determine in your life to give honor to the one that is worthy of that. If you would start a Facebook post and want everybody to blast it all over the world to honor doctors and nurses, why wouldn't you do it for the Lord of glory? And so I want to just say simply this. Give God the honor, first of all, of yourself. Give Him the honor of your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are not our own and we are bought with a price. 
Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. We're called to recognize the fact that we are not our own. And that our lives are to be entirely given over to rendering glory. And what comes with that is honor on the one who's worthy of it. Why? Because we belong to Him. And so, you know what? We need to, in our hearts every day, acknowledge that my life is not my own to live as I would see fit. But my life belongs to the Lord and I need to seek the guidance and the leadership of the one that has made me and then has purchased me with His own blood. My life is not my own. You know, there are people that are uh, protesting from sea to shining sea about all of the stay-at-home orders and all the restrictions because now the financial implications are being brought to bear in their households and uh, they want to get out and they want to run the beaches and go to the parks and go back to the gym and sit in their favorite coffee shop and they want to do all the things that they did before and so now they're out there protesting because they think, you know what, we're free. This is a free country. We want to be free to live our lives as we see fit. And yet, it's amazing to me how many people that have been purchased with blood and made by an almighty Creator say, it's my life, I'll live it however I want to. And we almost want to protest to the Lord that we should have to ask Him for His direction in our life. Because somehow we think that we are honorable enough and we are wise enough to chart a course for our life independently of God. And the reality is, He's called us to give Him the honor of ourself. Did you know that love demands it? I think about what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is a passage that deals with um, missions giving and the Macedonian church that uh, gave for the advancement of the gospel. And what we discover that the apostles said there about this is, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints." And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What does the Bible indicate here? That these people first, before they gave any of their money, before they gave anything to the work of the Lord, first gave God the honor of of themselves. They said, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. Love demands it. That would be an apt response to the love that God has bestowed upon us. And we know that it is the reasonable response because if we understand the great love of God that He has bestowed to us that we read of in Romans chapter 11 whereby uh, he, He made this covenant that their sins and iniquities would I remember no more. It leads us to this, this plea. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, it is entirely reasonable for those that understand the love of God to then give Him the honor of themselves. Give God the honor of yourself. Give Him your very life. Secondly, tonight I would say this. Give God the honor of your substance. Give God the honor of your substance. All that you possess. Do you know, I have two daughters that will soon um, take the plunge. They're going to get married soon. And uh, I want to say how happy I am for them. And uh, how sad I am for my checkbook. But uh, n- nevertheless, I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, listen, uh, used to be in the old days, and, and uh, you, can, you can still find it, in the old school um, vows that people would exchange, uh, they would come to the end of it, and instead of saying, uh, uh, I make a promise, they would say, and, and hereunto, I plight to thee my trough. I plight to thee my trough. And that's a really an old English way of saying that I am without reserve giving all that I am, all that I possess, and all that I hope to possess to you. Because it is no longer me but we. That's what you do when you get married in the economy of God. And when we get saved, we're joined in a spiritual wedlock unto the one who is worthy of our honor, our eternal bridegroom that we should give honor to. And that's the, one of the mysteries spoken of in Ephesians 5. The wife See that she reverence her husband. And then Paul said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so he said, look, wives, honor your husbands. And that's something that God has ordained for His true believers, His kids, to do for Him, to render Him honor. And here we do so with our substance. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, you know verses 5 and 6, do you not? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Now, here's what it says in verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You know what our substance really consists of? All that we have. All that we have. And it says, not only your substance, but it says the first fruits of all thine increase. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to give God a one-time offering on the basis of everything I've got right now and say that I'm all good. No, I'm going to continue offering honor to God by giving of my substance and the increase of my substance at the hand of God. So it is one of the ways that I can 
honor God. I can give Him the honor of my substance because it is a reflection of what is in my heart. And honor proceeds from the heart, not just from the head. The Bible reveals in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My friends, if you honor God, you're going to honor Him with your substance. What does that mean? That whatever His work and His plan requires of us, it is already His before we're even aware of the need. Because we have determined to honor God in this way. To su- Listen, I'm going to tell you this. We supply that which we honor. We supply that which we honor. We want to honor our veterans. Don't we? And so, man, every time, you know, there's some sort of a a measure to increase funding to, to go to the veterans, man, we're all about it. We're all about raising pay for for our veterans. We're, we're all about taking care of our wounded warriors. Why? We honor them, so you know what we want to do? We want to put some of our taxes towards that. You know what we want to do? We want to make a contribution to the Wounded Warrior Project or something that really tugs at our heartstrings because we honor their service and we, we show honor with our substance. And the Lord says, look, you show honor to your boss and you show honor to your parents. Where's my honor? The truth today is this, that I believe the Lord is trying to get our attention through uh, this staying at home and through this sickness that has taken the lives of tens of thousands of people and hundreds of thousands the world over. And, and, uh, and, And folks, I believe God is trying to get our attention. And I think when we finally return to the Lord, He'll heal our land. And I, I, I believe that this is an opportunity, a, a small window of opportunity for revival to come. But I believe that revival is not just going to come by, by evangelism and people turning away from sin. I believe that it is specifically going to take place in the lives of those that call themselves the people of God, who have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and have put their lives in His hands. And now we are determined to allow the world to see that we honor God that's one of the reasons why there are a lot of folks that I think maybe have a misguided zeal to to violate executive orders and continue meeting and and, and I'll give them credit for the fact that they do want to honor God with his day and they want to continue meeting and and I'm all about that but let me say this to you I, I believe that we need to give and supply to that which we honor now, I believe that we need to give God the honor of ourself, and I believe that we need to give God the honor of our substance, but I believe that we can find that God is calling us in 2 Timothy 2 and throughout the Scriptures as a whole to give God the honor of our service. To give God the honor of our service. And in 2 Timothy, we, we are called to be in chapter 2 and verse 21. Vessels unto honor. I am to be a vessel unto honor. And may I say this to you. Faithful servants will render a service that is of honor to God, not just to ourselves. It must be offered in an honorable manner. 
Now, now let me say this to you. I know many of you have read Acts chapter 5 and you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. What did they do? They, well, they wanted to be active in the church and they, they saw the, the great gift of Barnabas and how that people loved his sacrifice and his uh, charitableness and his kindness towards those that were uh, dealing with hardship and privation because of persecution within the early church. And, and we know that uh, they, they had some land as well. And so what they decided to do was they wanted to get in on some of that honor. And so they sold a piece of property, but rather than do like Barnabas and just give it all to Jesus, they decided we're going to tell the church that we've given it all, but we're going to keep back a part of it for ourselves. In other words, instead of just rendering all of that, bestowing all of that substance upon God, they said we're going to keep a part of it back for us. Why? Well, we want to hedge ourselves in, take care of ourselves, but we want to receive some, some honor. And they held back. You see, it was not honorably rendered unto the Lord because it was given deceitfully. They told a lie as they gave it. And God calls us to be faithful servants that are vessels whose lives are given over unto the honor and the glory of God. What well, 1 Corinthians 10 whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our lives need to be vessels unto honor. As I think about that, I think about the parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 17. And it, it's particularly poignant as it says, which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? Will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, or I don't think so. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. In other words, because you, you just went through the motions, you offered perfunctory service, you got the job done, you rose to the level of the least expectation to just get her done, don't expect that that rose to the level of honorable service and as functioning as a vessel unto honor that would bestow upon God what He is truly worthy of. He's not just worthy of average. He's not just worthy of getting her done. He's worthy of the honor of our best in service. And that rises out of a heart of love. And so tonight, I say honor God by giving Him the honor of yourself, your life. Give Him the honor of your substance, whatever you possess. Given the honor of your service, serve Him because you love Him, and do your best because He's worthy of it. But I would say this, that God calls us to give Him the honor of our sincerity. The honor of our sincerity. You know, I want to just simply say that this is something 
that I believe is very, very critically important. And what we discover is that the Bible reveals to us that there were those that, uh, that honored God with their lips and not with their heart. And, and, and my friend, I, I just want you to know, uh, Jesus said, as He spoke to the Jews, and speaking of the Pharisees, this people honoreth Me with their tongue and their lip, but their heart is far from Me. They honor Me with their tongue and with their lip, but their heart is far from Me. It was just words. It was just the least expectation. It was going through the motions and no true sincerity of heart. God wants us to be passionate about Him. And to love and honor Him from the heart. Not just because we feel that we must. It's compulsory of us. Do you know, we were talking at the lunch table today and uh, we talked about the fact that we've at times had had relationships with people that we honored, but uh, sometimes they didn't quite know how to respond to love. Um, my, my granddad, Chapel, was an affectionate man, but he didn't often verbally express it. I can remember many times um, giving my granddad a hug, and he'd, he'd a lot of times just pat me, you know. And I, I'd wrap, he'd a big giant of a man, just wrap my arms around him, say, I love you, granddad. And he'd pat me on the head and he'd say, goody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just as a little boy that looked up to him and thought he was bigger than life, you know what I wanted from him? I wanted him to say, man, I love you too, buddy. You know, and uh, him pat me on the head and saying, goody, uh, that was his own way of saying, I love you too. And I, and, and I get that. And, uh, and, and, and later on, as he got a little older, sometimes give me a little one-arm squeeze and say, you too. And, uh, and I knew that that was a big step for him. But you know, sometimes uh, we'll, we'll express love to somebody and, and they'll say, okay, or you too. And it just kind of seems a little glib. Like there's really no heart behind it, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's done with all the passion of kissing your sister. <laughs> you know, there's just nothing in it. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is, I can remember many times as a kid making my sister cry. My dad said, get over, go, go give your sister a hug, you know. And when that wasn't good, give, give her a kiss on the cheek. Man, I would have rather taken a spanking uh, any day of the week and twice on Sunday than have to do that. But you know what? Listen, uh, whenever I did it, there, there was nothing behind it. <laughs> you know, I was only doing it because I had to. There was no sincerity of heart there. And you know, sometimes I wonder if we don't just sing the hymns and it's perfunctory. We don't think about the words we sing. Because sometimes I think if we did, there would be tears in our eyes. Sometimes I think we feel like, well, I've got to do this because if I don't, I'm going to let somebody down. What happened to the Lord? How did He, how did he fall out of this whole equation? The truth is, we should honor God from our hearts and give Him the honor of our sincerity. The last thing I'll say to you tonight, I'll draw from 
Haggai chapter number one. And uh, let me let me just say that I believe that honor is not just something that we do a few times a year to those that are special to us. On a birthday or an anniversary or a mother or father's day or a veteran's day, it's something we do every day. True honor is something we do every day. Not just Mother's Day, Birthday, Father's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, but every day. And in Haggai, we find something interesting. It says in chapter 1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, you kind of get the idea that God is really pinpointing a time, that, that the Lord is interested in the timing of things. Came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Herein we find a scenario that teaches us how we render honor to God every day, and that is this. Give God the honor of your schedule. Of your schedule. What does that mean? Give Him your time. Years ago, a man named Cat Stevens wrote a song that haunts many parents that grew up in that era. It was called The Cats in the Cradle. And it talks about busy parents raising kids, needing affection, until finally the kids are gone and raised, and parents now needing help and affection, but the kids are too busy now to give it. We want God to drop and come a-running, just like Mary and Martha of Bethany whenever there's an illness. We want God to give us what we need when we need it. We want God to be available to us 24-7, and He is. How often are we available to Him? You see, the people of God said, wait, I don't have time right now to build the house of the Lord. This is not the time. The Lord said <laughs> by the prophet Haggai, look, is now the time to build your house while the house of the Lord lies in waste? You say you honor God, but look, you're honoring yourself. You're, you're, you're taking care of putting new wallpaper up in the bathroom and, 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 and new trim and, and crown molding in the front room. and you're, You know, you're really decking that house out, but the house of the Lord is in disrepair and, and you've got time to do everything you want to do. You're honoring yourself. And listen, the fact remains that we schedule time for those individuals that are important to us. And if we have no time for them, what does that say about true honor in our life? 
or do we just give it from an occasional basis, birthday, resurrection day, Christmas and Easter, you see? Do we give God the honor of the Lord's day, or do we just give Him an hour on His 24-hour period? You see, Jesus said to the disciples as they were looking at the revival that had taken place in Samaria, as they were looking and contemplating all that had happened, He said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. But, but I say unto thee, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, even unto harvest. And what the Lord was telling them is, look, we've got to get busy. We have no time to waste because the harvest is being lost. We read in 1 Samuel 21 that the king's business requireth haste. And my friend, if God is truly worthy of your honor and you want and desire to honor God, you will not just haphazardly carve out a few moments or hours of time in your schedule, but He will be the first thing on your schedule. There will be moments of time that to you are sacrosanct, given unto the One who is worthy of your honor, who is therefore worthy of your time. Because to give honor requires the investment of time. It is not something I do occasionally. On a day, it is something I am called to do every day. To give God the honor of my life. My friends, I am all for honoring first responders and I am all for honoring doctors and nurses and I am all for honoring veterans and I am all for honoring courage and honor that we see so rarely. But my friends, the Lord calls out from heaven to His people and says you render honor to first responders and to doctors and nurses that don't even love me or care for me Where is my honor? Friends, that are trying to live out your spirituality through Facebook posts and through Instagram and social media, where's God's honor? And not just on Christmas and Easter. Birthday. Resurrection Day. But Every day. What is the message? Honor God. Give Him the honor of yourself. Give Him the honor of your substance. Give Him the honor of your service. Give Him the honor of your sincerity. And give Him the honor of your schedule. Give Him some time. Those whom we honor... We make time for. Honor God. Father, we pray that this message would speak to every heart. And Lord, I pray that even as I have communicated this great truth, that I would live it every day. Lord, I'm I'm thankful that we honor so many who have shown 
dedication and courage in the face of difficult odds. But Lord, you have given us everything. We would have no life apart from you. And Lord, I pray that we would determine to give honor to the one who alone is worthy of it. Lord, help us to bear these things in mind. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Truly God is worthy of our honor and He's worthy of our praise. And I think that it's only appropriate that we end this night determined to give God honor and we want to lift His name who's worthy of honor. It's wonderful. Thank you.